0: They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. baby, come back. But the bye, 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 but the bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. Bye 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 bye, bye 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 bye
1: bye 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 Hi David Hellard from the Bad Boy Running Podcast. I haven't done my A yet. Hey! Hey! Oh hey Ali Bailey, how you doing? Hey! I am just utterly glorious today. I think I've got a bit of anxiety because I've got loads of stuff to do. But apart from that, I'm amazing. How are you?
0: Oh, don't talk to me about stuff to do. I'm, I'm going through... You know when you're younger and you in school assembly did you used to have like your parables or your little stories or um where they they tell you this story that you're you're trying to get some kind of message out of about what's good and bad in life
1: yeah sort of yeah sort of
0: so i'm i'm going through i remember there was this one where it was really cryptic and they're like "Well, we're gonna take you to to uh to hell and everyone in hell they've got all the food they can ever eat what sort of school did you go to? We've got all the food. Oh, well, I mean, quite, quite, quite a good one, as you can probably tell by my level of education and, and natural intelligence, uh, You know, just <laughs> oozing, oozing. But um, uh, where you know, there's the mass, mass of food on the table, but and everyone's got these really long chopsticks and they're struggling to try and eat it and it's hell it's hell and then they go to heaven and what it's exactly the same except they're feeding each other with the chopsticks ah oh. well i feel like i'm going through my version of hell at the moment because um i've had a few issues with uh with the caffeine bullet in the we've we've not had any for the last six weeks oh my god various reasons oh out my of our god control.
1: sound the alarm there is a caffeine bullet shortage somebody ring the daily mail what the hell are we going to do
0: what happened, Hellard? There is literally a... Ca- well, um, basically the factory um, who... I would never badmouth the factory in any way. No way at all. Um, but they are an effing nightmare. And so, um, yeah, I am now... I'm going through the process of hand-stuffing every single packet. And it takes ages. And I've I've actually got a sore thumb. I've got caffeine bullet thumb from <laughs> having to put them in the packets individually. And then I'm also setting up for a separate distribution so all of the hand-signed things I'm doing those over and over again so I am in what I think hell could look like which is being sat stuffing caffeine bullets all day every day in the hope that it's for a good purpose but it's just just a nightmare
1: can I just ask have you washed your hands have you washed your hands before stuffing these caffeine bullets yeah in the the bags because I'm kind of worried about health and safety here and what people might or might not catch from those wrappers you see
0: that that might make sense why everyone keeps on getting the shits because of um yeah because I haven't washed no of course I've washed my hands of course okay, I've washed my basic. hands absolutely but um even so they are you know they're they're wrapped and they're you know, pollution free they're, they're wonderful wonderful anyway anyway um oh, I, I but you you are saying you're getting a bit nervous I'm just about to do the om
1: oh are you is that this weekend
0: yeah it, I am going. Tonight, down to Ross McDonald's house to get in a, a magic car to some, somehow appear at Om HQ in Wales. And uh, have you done the Om?
1: No, it's it looks a bit scary. Said said the woman that just had a conversation yeah. with a Gurkha about going to the jungle.
0: <laughs> well, we get onto that in a yeah. sec. Um, I mean, it is a bit scary, and I've only done the Om full Om once before, and at the time, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done um because I was running with a man uh, a man who I think probably a few people on the podcast and a guy called Ed Catmore at the time he was, was a lot fitter than me um and he was he's faster than me anyway I think probably even still now faster than me and a lot more experience with me and it was just that was that was near hell on day two because he broke me completely so I'm now going back That's my last proper OM experience. I did one with Claire in Iceland, but that was just loveliness. That was was almost like a school trip.
1: The last I heard about your OM experience was going to Iceland. It actually looked brilliant. It just looked like you were camping with your mates and having a picnic and just trotting around and having a nice time. Um, Wales is a bit different, though, isn't
0: it? The weird thing is so it's been probably 15 to 20 degrees in London actually probably 15 to 22 degrees for the last month at least so we're going to the break of beacons and i've i've been crapping myself about it raining anyway because I'm, I'm okay at nav but as soon as the mist comes in it's just such a ball ache, and it's just not enjoyable but it's going to be minus five at night what? and it goes up to three degrees and like how it's only three hours away how is it going to be that cold and um i'm I'm not good with the cold anymore uh, i never was great but so i'm i'm a little bit bricking about that i'm a bit a bit bricking it about the fact that ross is i mean my my fitness at the moment isn't great and he's just naturally so fit and fast um but also the om iceland it's it's a bit of a jolly you' you take your kit kind of but you unless don't really... unless you're g law then you don't take your kit. <laughs> That's G-lot. You leave it in Gatwick. Um but now um suddenly you look at I'm looking at all the kit list but and also Claire has tricked me into moving out most of my, my most of the things I own to her mum's house. So actually now that I'm packing, I'm missing so many little things that don't don't seem important to your life, like a foil emergency bivy bag which suddenly like oh god I remember I had that because it was so much lighter than having to buy, buy these ones on you know Sports Direct that are 400 grams yeah. and so I've just been miss- I'm missing all my kit and now I'm bricking like oh god so now I've got this other kit that it's kind of crappy that weighs a lot and so we're having to make these hard choices I've got a hip flask a Batman hip flask so it's Ross and we even get to the point where we're like, my bag is getting pretty heavy. At what point do we drop the hip flask? So the hip oh, flask It's going is, to be a good like, weekend. No, but.
1: The hip flask is necessary kit. You need to fill the hip flask up with the Jägermeister because that warms you up. And that's what the army used to use, I believe. Um, and you cannot... Did they? The hip. Yeah, they did. Jägermeister, used, they used to use it up in the hills and mountains in Norway and Oslo and places like that because it's, it warms you up and it's a painkiller, um, which is why I'm desperate for Jägermeister. Is that why it's called no, that's not why it's called a Jaeger bomb. But that's I'm desperate for this response to because it's an endurance drink, Jaegermeister. You drink it on hundred milers. Um, but uh yeah, it's it's you should have told me, you idiot. I went to Mongolia, it was cold there. I've got loads of kit. Now you've missed out. Oh well.
0: But is your kit is it just for is it just for warmth or is it all also about as light as possible
1: you know what with with that we weren't we didn't have to carry it all so it was not as light as it could have been my sleeping bag was um a military issue four seasons bouncing bomb it was massive i lost it on the way home sorry lee but um so yeah it wasn't that light to be honest with you um but yeah so when
0: you when you wet yourself did that then become a jaeger bomb
1: Yes, yes. When you wet yourself, it becomes a Jaeger bomb. I don't know what I don't know what that's got to do with okay. anything. But the hip flask is important. Well, I, to assumed
0: take it. I assumed you're drinking jäger out there as well. You see, no, I don't. So we it drank. We drank vodka out there.
1: We drank vodka out there because it it doesn't freeze. Um, mind you, wonder did freeze. But the key to this is. Um, When I was in Mongolia Lee had um, all these little snappy hand warmers and you can get them really really cheap and basically they're quite light and you just take them snap them they get really warm and uh, you can put them inside your gloves but layer up just layer up like loads of really thin layers you'll be absolutely fine unless it pisses pisses down with rain in which case you won't be fine but you know it's all right no one's ever died on the Brecon beacons oh hang on some people have um don't let that put you off hell sure it'll be
0: fine. The thing is as well they've they've got these different courses where you can decide so if, if if Listeners don't know about the Om. Listen to the Om episode, but also it's a two-day self-supported race, self-navigated through um, th- on a mountain essentially. So you're, but they've got these different classifications. So uh, John's going, um, friend of the show, an album. We've got uh, Ross Brackley, who won the Red Bull. 400 no red bull Quicksand's great guy he's going and they're one of them's doing the elite class one of them's doing the a class and because ross and i blagged it last minute as media um we were put in the medium school so we look like absolute wusses because ours is a set time whereas they're doing the you know the proper things that are longer but actually looking at it the distances they run given that i think ross and i will be giving it some I think we could end up running the furthest distance of all of our friends and getting the least, you know, getting the most abuse for it.
1: Sounds fair. Sounds like a, It sounds like a BBR race to me. That's what the problem with that is. Run the hardest, that's run true. the longest, get the most abuse. Brilliant. Yeah,
0: that's, okay, that is fair. No, I take your point on that. But um, I'll be reporting back next week, you know, if we survive, yep. um, on firstly, which spirits... So in fact oh we could if we take a hip flask each, we could even make like floating spirits by him taking maybe archers and me taking a heavier booze, floating them on the top. Doing shoots. Oh, this could be wonderful.
1: You're such a rookie for boozing on races. You don't want anything thick and creamy, right? What you want is you want something like gin or vodka or Jager that's going to warm you up the minute you put it inside you and act as a painkiller. That's what you want. You don't want any of this Baileys or Kalua or any of those girly drinks that you like. Um, you need to, oh, I need to do a nutrition. You know what need to do? Mm-hmm. We need to do a nutrition episode just focused on booze and what sort of booze that you should drink when you're running.
0: It's a good idea, or expert. we uh, we just go out. We test it at the Christmas party.
1: That's a good idea. That's a, actually that's a genius idea. Um, let's do that. I'll write that down. Talking of the Christmas party, Christmas party tickets are on sale. Everybody, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it now. They're twenty English pounds. It's at the Craft uh, Brewery in Clerkenwell, and it's going to be absolutely fabulous on the fifteenth of December. So go in the group and get your tickets for your Christmas party, and you you too can meet your heroes. Is it's fabulous. The right words. Mm, y- yes. It depends who you are, really. It depends if you're <laughs> Russell Banks or if you're not Russell Banks. Um, so uh, it's <laughs> going to be good fun, though. We're going to have the BBR Awards. We're going to have um law Punching. We're going to have... Deepaw criticising. I'm going to put deport in a cage and we're going to throw sticks at him for being a athlete. Hopefully that will stop him from doing that in the future. And I think there is talk of some kind of running event during the day on the Saturday. Um, so we'll see how that pans out, won't we? Uh, but it's going to be really good fun. So everybody come uh, hey. along.
0: But how, how are you? You've been, we've been discussing slightly before slightly offline about you and your kit choices
1: oh my god so for those of you that don't know um i'm highly suggestible to uh things that might kill me and uh i am in november going to namibia to run across the desert um and then i'm going to panama to run across the jungle um so these are Wreckies again for rat race and um, they seem to be actually trying to kill me but when i signed up for this i was like yeah whatever you know it's a long way away don't need to worry about it then the kit list came in and I was like, oh, shit, there is so much to think about. And obviously the desert is a very different environment to the jungle. Um, I've not done desert <laughs> running before. So I've got all these like, MDS veterans giving me all their wear raid light, don't wear raid light, wear raid light, don't wear raid light, wear this. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just too much. But the desert, I'm not that worried about. You just run across sand, right? The jungle, I'm like, I've been to the jungle once in Belize. It was absolutely petrifying. I was there for a day. Things in the jungle will kill you, plants will kill you, Like midges will kill you, snakes will come on you. Um, And I'm not bothered about spiders or snakes, but what I am bothered about is wet feet, wet everything, never be able to get dry... And um, mm. all that sort of shenanigans. So I um, was, actually, this is a really nice story. I, I spoke to this lady who's going to go, who's going out to Mongolia. She wanted to meet up for a beer, so I could kind of talk her through the the whiffles and, and mistakes that I made, basically, um, which of mm. which there were many, many listeners. Um, and she, it turns out, she, she's ex-military, so she put me in touch with this, her friend Alex, who's a goddamn Gurkha. Like he is spent eight weeks uh, up to eight weeks at a time in the jungle he's like a military warfare jungle expert and I spoke to him this morning on the phone and he was amazing but he did make me feel like a right pussy because he's like so what are you worried about and I'm like oh I I don't really like snakes and spiders he's like it's the leeches you've got to watch they're going to crawl (laughs) up the the leeches are going to crawl up the inside of your trousers and the best bit was he was like you've got to have a buddy system and I'm like what do you mean and he's like to check your crevices and I'm like what what the crevices in the tarpaulins he's like no your crevices because the leeches will crawl up into places you can't see and you need to pull them out before they can do any damage and I'm like right so
0: who are you re- he, who are you going to the jungle with well, like, who are your options
1: I think that Lee might suddenly become available and decide he wants to come oh, now god. but thank god I'm not going with Lee um sorry Lee but uh I'm going with there's literally one other guy. There's a guy called Darren who I went to Mongolia with. There's Jim and Rob from Rat Race. There is James Appleton's coming, I believe, and a guy called yeah. Merlin. I'm the only girl, so I'm gonna to have to deal with my own. A inferences. guy called Merlin. I got another guy called Merlin. I know three Merlins, um, and uh, and so if it's the
0: Merlin I know, he's amazing. He's the guy I get to check my crack.
1: It is the Merlin that you know. It's because I met him at a Rat Race event, so it's got to be the same Merlin. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit much. And, you know, things like snake-proof gaiters you can't get them into cathlon and uh, and hammocks. There's loads of different types of hammocks, and they've all got different types of things. And it's like, go practice putting up your hammock. I'm like, where? On the bus stop at Muswell Hill. Where do I practice putting up my fucking hammock? So it's all just a bit much, and there's so much stuff to do. But... Um, one of the things that happened in the last week or so is that I panicked so much about Kit because I costed it up and it was so expensive. And someone in the BBR group, who I don't know, suggested that I'd start GoFundMe. And I'm like, I don't want to. Like, mm. I feel really bad asking people for money. Like, But the thing is, I can't do this because I haven't got a £1,000. Um, so I was like, oh, do you know what? I had a couple of beers. I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And thanks to the BBR community and the ultra running community, I raised a thousand pounds in four days. And so I'm just like, thank God I can afford all the stuff. And I'm so grateful to everyone that's given to it because without it, I just wouldn't be going. And uh, so thank you very, very much everybody. And it just goes to show what a lovely kind community that we have. Like, I still can't believe that strangers would give me 50 quid to go. and What a
0: bunch of suckers. Surely what a bunch of suckers.
1: Yeah. I'm actually going to the Seychelles for a week. So, uh, but, um, yeah, what is that? or maybe they want to see me die. I don't know. Like, but thank you very much, everybody. It was that's really lovely. But yeah, like you say, it's just a bit like Jesus Christ. It's it's coming up so quick, and all the things you have to take, and all the admin, and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah, it's it's a bit much. But this guy Alex, he's so amazing. We've got to get him on the podcast. He, like I say, was a Gurkha. He's a military uh, warfare expert in the jungle. He's been shot at. He's he's actually been shot. He's been um, blown up. He's had a suicide bomber set himself off near him and he's done, he did this for like a good 20 years. And some of the stories he told me the story, he said, they don't sleep in hammocks. They sleep on the floor because they're badasses. And uh, he said he woke up in the middle of the night one night and there was something on his chest. And to this day, he doesn't know what it was. He's, he knows it was an animal, but it was dark (laughs) and he didn't move because he was scared it might bite him. He said it, it, it weighed the same as a small monkey, um, but literally, it could have been a rat, it could have been a puma, it could have been a, it could have been anything. And he said so he just laid there and waited for it to scuttle off into the jungle. And he heard it run off, just laid there for seven hours with his heart going really, really fast. Um, and I'm like, that's Maybe it was epic. Lee Stuart Evans. It, it was probably Lee Stuart Evans, just sitting there, little gnomy man on top of him. Um, but yeah, we have to get him yeah. on the podcast. So when I get back, if I get back, um, we will get him on and we can compare stories. I'm sure his will be much more interesting than mine, to be quite frank, but still. And how, how long until you're off? Uh, so I'm going, I'm off on the 18th of November. We spend, I think, uh, nine days in the desert. Uh, we're going to do man versus table mountain. So Jim's going to make us run up table mountain, which I mm. think is hilarious. Um, I'm not running anywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, then we come back for 14 hours. We're in the UK for 14 hours. Then we fly straight out to Panama. So I come back on the 9th of December. Um, so, yeah, it's all very exciting.
0: Well, just thinking out loud, I don't know if we're going to have time but we could always schedule a non-monday record but elizabeth barnes would probably be the perfect person for you'd to speak to because not only is she mega super and mega super badass um endurance runner but she's done the costa rica um Whoa. equivalent the mds she's, she's obviously won the mds twice but also her job um she has well that's her job but my race kit is her company so she is an expert possibly the leading expert of anyone i could think of on kit for multi-day endurance races in multiple terrains
1: oh she sounds great so
0: we could potentially get her on
1: yeah yeah and she's lovely
0: as well so i'll see if i can line that up and actually do bad is bear in mind that if we are going to get her i'll post it in the facebook group but if you've got any questions about races you know that are coming up it could be 100 milers because colin who also does my race kit he He's done the Grand Union Canal race. He's done some ridiculously hard races. So she must have that knowledge as well. So anything to do with Kit, she'd probably be the best person...
1: Yeah, that would today. actually be a really, that'd be, that'd be a really good podcast because you've got, you know, when you're on these adventures, you have so much conflicting information about kit. You've got people that swear by this, that swear by that, mm. that, that say, oh, that's, that zip breaks on those. Don't buy that. And it's just so much. It's too much, especially when it comes to things like hammocks. I do not mm-hmm. understand what I need from a hammock. I don't know. So, you know, I'm going to, to spend three hours this afternoon ringing up hammock companies and talking to them about it. Um, and I think having one episode where people can go to like where it is, you know, um, specifically about kit that would actually be very 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 handy um, so let's do that
0: yeah okay well I'll, I'll set that up and then well let's go on with the episode now this one oh boy oh oh boy this one's fun this
1: love is, is in the air Every, love isn't in the air it's it's in people and you have to find the right person but how do you do that Hellard? how do you find the right person
0: how do you well, we've been toying with, have, with doing this episode for quite a long time, partly as a joke. So if you've been in the Facebook group for, uh, this is probably a year ago, Jody has always, I think he's, he's loved the idea of being the Silla Black, the new Silla Black, and trying to create some do Badder babies and get people together and you know, do-batters by their very nature of being ultra runners um, – Are likely to be alone um or at least they're on a fast track towards divorce if they're not so we thought we (laughs) we we thought we create an episode to try and help with that um and who better than a friend of mine from in fact when did we meet each other 20 years ago not quite that much, 15, 16 years ago, who is a life coach, a love doctor, to come on and to semi-seriously discuss relationships, but then to try and slant that in the direction of um, relationships when you're someone who is a little bit too focused on running as most of us are basically so, what um, you're saying
1: is relationships when you're massively selfish and only have time for yourself and your <laughs> hobbies that's what you're saying right
0: yeah yeah exactly um, as we all know uh, um, we've all been there at times whether you're training for a marathon training for an ultra so uh, here comes emily So, uh, let's do it. We've, uh, the next, this, this episode's going to be interesting because we we, we said in jest we should do an, a relationship episode, mainly because most do batters have um, either single or in failed relationships or...
1: <laughs> oh, oh my God, God we'll- this is a good start. <laughs> what? Are they... <laughs> So and, and
0: just said I think we're all married to our running. Um, so we thought we'd actually reach out to a relationship expert. And luckily, a friend of mine from yesteryear is exactly that. We want to call her the Love Doctor, although she's more a kind of uh, a relationships expert and a life guru. So welcome to the show, Emily. Hey, so
2: much. Although I really, if you could find me a T-shirt that says Love Doctor on it, I would wear it. Just saying.
0: Like, can we write anything else on in addition? And... <laughs> yeah. Don't
2: specify the
0: picture. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what have I done?
0: Well, well firstly, I mean, how does one become a, a relationship expert? Like what was your journey?
2: Oh yeah. Well you you're just like really fucking awful at relationships. That's how it starts. <laughs> you realise that you have a massive gap in your knowledge and that you seem to be repelling Uh, any kind of relationship, and any relationship you do end up in, you manage to self-sabotage really quickly, and then one day you wake up and you go, maybe it's me, maybe it's not all men, maybe it actually has something to do with how I'm rocking up in this world, and um, for me, that was a, a big sort of huge, like, slap around the face of, like, actually the only common denominator in all of these really shitty relationships that you've had is you, it's not men it's you um so that was about three and a half years ago so I sort of set out on a little mission to um find out as much as I could to kind of try and close that gap around what am I doing wrong where's it all going wrong um turns out I was really good at emasculating men funnily enough um, and various (laughs) other things (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's my uh, hobby it's fine uh, yes it's great I, one of my friends actually when i kind of came to this revelation i was talking to a mate about it and she was like emily you've been wearing men's testicles as earrings for the <laughs> ever since i've known you and i was like "Oh god It's glaringly obvious to everybody else but it How, took me what, quite for
0: example what would uh, what would be a typical emily maneuver then to just rip the balls off
2: uh, so I'm very sarcastic. And I and that's fine. That's part of my nature. But I think, you know, when I was working in London, I was working, you know, we, we operate in quite a masculine orientated world. And that's not to say it's male dominant, necessarily. But I mean, like, the, the structure of the world, the society in which we live in, in the in the West is very masculine orientated. So it's KPI driven, it's p driven. And the reality is I'm a small little white English girl and I had to shout a bit louder and work a little bit harder than the guy next to me um, working in corporate in London. And I think I just did not take that out. Like I I just took that boardroom mentality of I can do everything. I will perform at my peak performance all of the time. I don't need any kind of help. And it sort of built up this over time, just built up this wall of... Yeah, fuck you really, and I was taking that out on on dates, so you know, there was no softness about me at all. And it's been really lovely to be able to like come back to that and to to realize that actually there is a real sort of strength in your feminine power. Are you um, wearing it, a formal yeah, that dress? That 34 then? Years. Huh? Are you
0: now wearing a, fl- a floral dress? Has that been the first big
3: change I have a floral
2: dress, I have a floral <laughs> dress, and a push-up oh, bra. that's it, I am done. <laughs>
3: I that's, have arrived. That's that's David's uh, way of saying that, uh, that that's about femininity. A floral dress. That's how, that's how <laughs> yeah, David defines.
2: I'm, it. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> currently wearing dungarees. What does that mean about me? Oh, uh-oh. let's I not, let's not. <laughs> they're my
2: favourite thing to wear. Absolutely
1: but confusing. Dungarees and nail varnish. Oh, just saying. Yeah.
2: Hey, life is one big paradox. You're just rocking it. Exactly.
1: Oh, so was I...
0: there like a trigger moment then when you thought, oh, man, I... had you just left a man weeping in the corner or something? And you thought, Actually, oh, a man
2: had just left me weeping in a corner. Oh. And um, it's a really rank story. And it's actually horrible for my dating profile. But um, I had sort of got myself to a point where I, was, I found myself in Australia. I'd just come out of a relationship with a dude. He'd dumped me because honestly, I was a bit of a twat. And so I I don't blame him at all. But it kind of all accumulated with obviously a massive dose of alcohol thrown into the mix. And Uh. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely my best when I've drunk three (laughs) bottles of something. And um, there was this huge incident, there was this huge, really public, massive argument, which I started because again, I was a complete twat, didn't know anything about myself or you know, how to handle my booze, apparently, even at the age of 34. And I found myself the next morning on my bathroom floor and I'd vomited in my own hair. Uh... Really wrangly, And it was the absolute lowest point that i think i was willing to get to before i realized that there needed to be a real change and so this understanding about feminine and masculinity and about like learning about sort of attraction strategies or, and what makes a great relationship and ultimately you have to fucking sort your own shit out before you can be in any kind of healthy relationship with anyone else right but that for me again huge revelation um because i was one of those people that just thought that I was fine and everyone else had the problem. So it was quite humbling, quite a humbling experience to have to come to that point where literally I was sitting on my bathroom floor with my own vomit in my hair. It's why I've got short hair now. It's a constant reminder to me. Actually- this wasn't
3: last week, was it?
2: This <laughs> 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 no, this is about three years ago, but it did start, it kick-started all sorts of amazing things for me. You know, I'm a huge believer that quite often we have to hit the ground before we can grow. And that, for me, was absolutely my story. Certainly, like, from that moment onwards, life has just continued. I mean, it, does, it has its trials and tribulations, but that kind of stemmed for me, this huge period of personal growth and introspective work and learning about relationships. And um, from that, started my own business, which, you know, three years ago was completely not in my realm of you know possibility so you know from these awful terrible life lessons quite often beautiful amazing things grow <laughs> so very great now but at the time I was all like who the fuck am I sitting here with vomit in my own hair
0: and it, is that quite a horrible process almost deconstructing your own personal flaws
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really confronting, isn't it? And I think any growth is in itself quite a painful thing a lot of the time. I don't think you necessarily have to preempt that it's going to be painful, but I think let's call a spade a spade. A lot of the time, growth fucking hurts, whether that's because you've just punished yourself in the gym, or whether that's pushing yourself to do that extra mile around the track, or whether it is going, all right, what do I need to address about me so that? I can become the person that I need to be to call in the reality that I want for myself or the relationship that I want with myself or the results that I want for myself. And yeah, man, that's, I mean, it sucks. He wants to have to look at themselves and be like, Oh, you're a dick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all love to feel, you know, it, ironically, that's the first step to self love, isn't it? Is that you have to be really honest with yourself and like take an inventory of yourself and be like, all right, well, what can we change? Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty confronting, but it's totally worth the work.
3: And do you do you work do you work predominantly like with men or with women? Who who do you who sort of comes to you? Um, because I think that's gonna that's gonna have an effect on some of the questions that, that have been asked <laughs> in the group.
2: I think um, I mean it's predominantly women, and um, more and more and more. What I have learned is that women come with the with the perceived problem of I'm not very good with relationships or all men are assholes or I can't get a date or I can't get a shag or whatever it might be but actually that's never the problem the problem is always or or the the starting point is always what's your relationship with yourself and so my business has morphed and grown definitely away from that kind of like single girl mentality into if you want to learn how to be an awesome human come and work with me but interestingly what's really interesting about that question is that it has always been females that I have marketed to, mainly because I think the mentality, and this is a sweeping generalisation. i
3: always
2: Make get it. I can't speak to seven fucking billion people on the planet. Sweeping generalisation. Most men don't come to seek solution in that way. Right. As a general rule, I have found, and I know other practitioners in my field who are in the relationship space, the majority of the time is women who are seeking the solution to the problem as opposed to men. Men tend just to roll with punches a little bit and, and don't tend to express themselves in the same way. Sweeping generalizations. I think when, also- you, um,
1: when you have these women that come to you i'm, I'm really interested in this because i'm a bit like you in that i'm um, quite sarcastic and i've been through many many failed relationships and been told by men that i'm too much um not necessarily i'm not feminine but when you say you know there's a whole thing about like learning to love yourself before anyone else can love you and you know kind of changing your behaviors is it like an inherent behavior or is it kind of like a more outside social behavior like you know the whole laddie element of drinking or is it something like deeper down in your psyche that you try and get people to kind of flick a switch on
2: Uh, It's definitely deeper down in your psyche. I think, you know, um, self love isn't about liking all the elements of you. It's about being okay with all the elements of you. And I think, yes, we can, we can change some external shit, we can paint our nails, we can put on the floor dress and all that kind of stuff. And that's cute, whatever. But ultimately, it's about being okay, being strong enough to be vulnerable with another human being. And that and this isn't just about men and women. This is just about people. Um, this translates over any relationship that you have, whether it be romantic or whether you be platonic. It is, am I cool enough with myself to be able to say this is who I am and I'm okay with that and I don't need to put a front on about that and I can accept and receive your love and your affection? So I think for a lot a lot of the time, you know, that, that kind of thing of like, oh, you're too much, you know, my immediate response to that is, well, maybe you're not enough. Actually, it's got nothing to do with me being shy. Yes. Maybe it's not enough. <laughs> and, and maybe that is a, a process of, you know, maybe... I don't trust you enough, you know, it's a two-way street. Every relationship okay. is a two-way street. So maybe it's I actually don't trust you enough or I don't trust me enough to be completely open and completely vulnerable. And if I did trust you enough or if I did trust me enough or both of us enough, that relationship would be completely different. So it's always a two-way street. But ultimately, you can't change another human being. The only person that you can ever work on is you. You know, you can't change men. You can only change you. Um, the other thing that I really want to pick up there really quickly is this idea of a failed marriage or a failed relationship and it Mm. like I I, it really fucking it grinds my gears and I think you know the way that we language the world is the way that we will ultimately experience the world around us and I think this is really true you know all coaching came from from the world of sport in the first place right so it's very much about visualizing your goals coming to fruition and it's very much about languaging something like it has already happened and really putting yourself in the mindset we all know that mindset is an equal sort of part to play and you know I think there is this really dangerous mindset or this dangerous paradigm that we currently live in especially again here in the west which is that you know you are you follow a sort of linear line you get married you have children you go to university you get your mortgage you work your ass off and then you retire and then you die and that makes everyone around you happy and that's what you should be doing and so when that doesn't happen we call it a failure and i just call fucking bullshit on that man i just think do you know what if you've been in a relationship and you have learned something from it then that can't be a failure. If you've been in a relationship and you haven't learned anything from it, fine, maybe you want to call that a failed relationship. But I think if you're learning and you're growing, and even if that learning is, fuck, I know I don't want to go out with that guy ever again or that type of guy ever again, or actually that brought something up in me or triggered something in me that maybe I need to now go away and deal with, then that can only be a successful relationship in my mind. And I I don't think relationships are designed to last forever. I think very few people... Are designed to couple together forever and i actually know a lot of people who are currently in relationships that i would call failed but because they're currently in them even though they fucking hate each other we consider this <laughs> yeah. society that they're in a successful relationship and i think we need to stop defining a successful relationship as something that ends by death you know, I, I, I've had many successful relationships. Are they in existence now? No, and I'm I'm grateful that I have had the intuition, or the understanding, or the strength, or my partner at the time did to turn a, turn around and say, actually, this isn't working for one or both of us. Okay, well, you get that a lot turns of- out
1: then I'm a winner. I've <laughs> <had loads of laughs> Ill- oh, I more than anyone.
3: <laughs> you're just yeah totally. you're playing, the, playing the wrong game. That's the thing. you're keeping the wrong score. I've got a question then, okay, from from the previous thing, which relates to that that element of talking about um, about yourself and attracting it and being the common denominator. Um, I'm not going to name who said this, but um, everyone will know who who uh, who uh, wrote this question. <laughs> I want to know why I only seem to attract married men. The last two guys I dated were married. I didn't know the first. The second told me on our second date. Why? Why is that? Why do some people attract married people or or, or people like that?
2: So, I mean, there's two ways that you can look at this. You can look at this in the kind of like spiritual vibration kind of law of attraction (laughs) manifestation kind of way, which is, On what level are you attracting somebody who is unobtainable or are you addicted to the drama of something? You know, we all love a fucking taboo. You know, tell me I can't eat that chocolate bar. It's the only chocolate bar I want to eat. Does that make, you know, like that's human nature. So there's definitely that element to it. Potentially maybe there is, you know, we could get really fucking deep and go into all your daddy issues and talk about, you know, all of that kind of psyche kind of stuff. Please don't do that. That's a whole different... I think we've got form, some, we've got some really good
3: daddy issues series. here, actually, between us. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: everyone's got daddy issues. Um, but, you know, I mean, the other thing is, what are you doing about it once you find out that information? So, you know, I can be having a chat to a guy in a bar and I can be like, I oh, you know I could take this guy home tonight and then I find out he's married. I stop that fucking conversation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So is it, is it that that you're attracting that or is it that you're playing into that and that's what you probably want to be addressing so so
3: you're, so it is kind of like so they say that they don't know that they're married but do they kind of like know is there do married men act, I think, act differently
1: I, think, I don't know Do they? i've never dated yeah, any married you know, man, do, so i don't do. know exactly. well, when i've been approached by them When I've been approached by them, they've been way more confident in their approach. Because if they're not going to get it, it doesn't matter. They can go home and get it. Like, I always have this thing where I'm like, you're goddamn married. I mean, it doesn't happen very often to me. But when it does, I know within 10 minutes, I reckon.
2: Yeah, I think I think, you know,
0: well, doesn't I mean, we've we've all learned from that episode of Neighbours where (laughs) I think Mike, he he took his (laughs) ring off, but then he used makeup (laughs) to cover up. The, the the tan line and so it's when you've got makeup on your clothes that's not from you that means they're married I mean that is just a golden rule surely
2: Definitely wow to the tan line. in Australia especially it's a giveaway
0: so do you have a lot of people talking to you then who are in relationships who are thinking I need to get out of this or who are thinking how do I make this one work yeah
2: I I think um like, it's really tough as a coach because sometimes, you know, my job is not to tell you what to do with your life in any way, shape or form. My job is to provide a safe, judgment-free space for you to work out what to do with your shit, right? But every now and then I'll come across someone and I'm like literally sticking my fist in my mouth not to be like, fucking leave him, you fucking idiot. But, you know, that's not my place to say that. And, you know, arguably every every relationship is rescuable to an extent, but I think you know, we are creatures of habit. We like things to stay the same. That's, that works on every single fucking level. It works, you know, spiritually and mentally. We are programmed biologically to be in fear of change. We want to know that we are safe and we want to know we are secure. It's basic survival. And so I speak to so many women who are staying in a relationship because it. In that being in that shit relationship is safer for them mm. than being in the uncertainty of being outside of that relationship. And again, it comes back to that that whole thing of, you know, how much do you value yourself? How much do you trust yourself to be able to go? Oh, I'm going to do this bit of life alone for a while, because that's got to be preferable than staying with an idiot who, you know, our values completely mismatch or they don't align And quite often, like people, you know, uh, and again, I really come back to this point. I don't think anything is the the only thing that's permanent on this planet is impermanence. Nothing is permanent. You're not permanent. I'm not permanent. Dave's laptop, clearly not permanent. Mm -hmm. And I think and that's cool, right? That's just part of life. We have to, like, embrace that uncertainty, that sort of aspect of uncertainty. But I think a lot of the time, you know, people are looking for certainty and they feel like a relationship should be for life. And I, don't, I think if you're evolving and growing as a human being, which hopefully everybody is, then really it's a tall order to ask two people to love each other in forty years' time. Is there? Is there? I'm not saying it can't work, but I'm just saying that's a tall order.
3: Is there any any truth in the whole idea of opposites attracting, or is is it generally that if you are you have to be aligned um, on on a certain level in order for it to to work out in in the long term, or is it, are there no rules?
2: I think, I mean, there are always exceptions to the rule. And I think opposites attract works in a certain behavioral way. So, for example, I know a lot of people who um, one partner is really creative and really expressive and really messy and really floopy. And the other person is more structure based um, and very analytical. And I think in that sort of sense, yeah, brilliant opposites can really attract and they can really complement each other. I think Opposites also attract and complement each other when there's a really good balance of masculine and feminine energy. And that's not about the woman being wearing floral dresses and having her nails painted. (laughs) But it is, again, it's about the sort of orientation. So, you know, an experiential orientation is, is feminine. And a, um, a more sort of objective orientation is masculine. So, for example, if I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm taking that cup of coffee and I'm holding it and I'm feeling the temperature and I'm feeling the way that the cup feels in my hand and I'm smelling it and I'm experiencing it and I'm sipping it slowly. That's an experiential feminine energy way of drinking that cup of coffee. So, for example, if I really value health and fitness, I don't have to be a runner if you're a runner, but I value health and fitness then I think it's important that your partner values that as well. If I value family and my partner doesn't, that's going to be really fucking awkward. If I value travel and adventure and freedom and my partner values security and um, routine, then that is going to be a problem. So it's about aligning your values. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the same interests necessarily all the time, but your values absolutely have to match. Um, in my experience and my observation
3: so an, a nice early psychometric test would uh would help with that uh, make sure you <laughs> yeah, don't waste man, any there's
2: time be a
0: questionnaire, yeah. Isn't there? <laughs> yeah yeah and so but the i guess the issue with i mean particularly as runners most people aren't runners their whole life it tends to be something that we either get a bit lardy or we just think oh my god i'm getting old and you start running at mid to late 20s, early 30s. And actually, there's a lot of people in the group who are in great relationships, but have discovered running. And actually, it's completely changed their outlook on life. And they now, they were someone who didn't have the value of health and fitness. But actually, in, in some ways, some of us probably running in health and fitness is almost overtaking our lives to the detriment of other values. Um, I mean, is that? It, does that create conflict that can't be resolved in a relationship?
2: I think um, I think it can be resolved, I think, but I think it's perfectly natural. And again, it comes back to this idea that nothing is permanent and everything is changing. You know, we are not, we are like, we are literally born from nature and nature changes every single day. It's constantly on the change. We go through seasons, we go through phases, um, and I think human beings are the same. And yes, your values change over time and certainly I never ever prioritise my health ever. Dave, when I think when I think <laughs> back to when I first met Every leave, night we've
0: ever met. <laughs>
2: every night we've ever met. This is the only sober conversation you and I have ever had. Oh yeah. he's right? not sober.
3: <laughs> yeah. <It's
2: not> sober. <laughs> Mainlining in the background. Um but, you know, and that and that's cool because that's who, you, that's who I was in my 20s. You know, I got to the age of 32, 33, and I sat down one day and my stomach spilled over my trousers. And I was like, what the fuck is all of this about? And so I had to, I had to, originally it was because of vanity. I had to start going to the gym and I had to start exercising my body because, you know, your metabolism doesn't stay the way it was when you were 21. After a while, I fell in, completely fell in love with running. I don't compete at all I keep my friends keep trying to get me into doing a half marathon absolutely not I've got no interest in that for me it's really about my mental clarity I find running like my moving meditation it clears out my head it gives me space to think it connects me to my body you know I don't do yoga or anything like that I just don't fucking bend that way I don't get it so for me like running is this sort of real meditation and it's really important to me now my partner doesn't have to love running but my partner has to appreciate that I love running and make space for that to happen. And I think your values absolutely morph and change. And I think some values, when they mismatch, aren't reconcilable. For example, maybe one, one, one person wants to have children and the other person doesn't. That's like a massive fucking lifestyle choice, man. You can't be on a separate page. It's fine if you're on separate pages when you're 22. When you're 32, not so funny. When you're 42, really detrimental, right? So you know, I think values do morph and they do change and they do grow. Um, And I think a lot of the time that is when a relationship will conclude or a relationship will go sour. And one of the problems that I see is that people don't talk about it. So people stay in a relationship. And this is why marriage is really dangerous, right? It's like, I've got a ring on it now, I can stop bothering. Like, I can stop trying so much. Mm. I can yeah. stop really yeah. giving as much effort. Because we all yeah, go through we're like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh, uh-oh, spaghetti
2: <laughs> <You're laughs> <You're looking breezy.
0: laughs> Not my words, Breezy. Us the
2: finishing line, gives her a ring, doesn't bother anymore. And, like, <laughs> and I think...
3: Works both think, ways. Works both ways, of course.
2: Absolutely it works both ways. Totally and utterly. But I do, I see that happen quite a lot. And I think, you know, you need to be checking in with your partner all the time. You know, in business, I do various collaborations with various people and I check in with my business partners all the time we are constantly checking in with each other are we on the same page are we on the you know are we working towards the same goal where are we feeling right now do we need to add this or this or this element into our business relationship but people in relation in romantic relationships tend not to do that it's like I right, we've agreed Trump to be that. with each other so <laughs> that's it like, yeah, I, we'll stop having Trump that conversation you, um, yeah you do and you have to make time you have to prioritize your relationship is like a, a being it's like a a thing you know it's not just Libby, it, Libby, you, Libby you and actually prioritize
3: it yeah Libby and, Libby and I do that we regularly check in I say um are we going to have a third child and she says no and I say well <laughs> you might not be um
2: <laughs> <laughs> like we've grown oh, we've,
3: we've got yeah our values our values have so you're saying it's perfectly natural for that to happen Good, I'm glad, I'm totally.
2: glad we've had this chat. I, I, I know very few people, especially in today's society, I knew know very, where, where so much choice is being produced for us and yeah. the world is arguably smaller than it's ever been and we can be, do and have anything that we want in this day and age, right? The, the boundaries are really sort of collapsing around us, which in lots of ways is really great and in lots of ways is really petrifying and a bit scary for a lot of people. I completely get that. But, you know, like life is full of change these days. And so I don't I don't know many people who are the same person at the age of fifty that they were at the age of twenty two. So why would you expect your relationship to be the same?
0: That that I can't imagine how that seems to me as the most cringeworthy, horrible, awkward thing to like how do you sit down with a partner and go, Right, so I'm going to give you a six out of ten for the last three months. Uh, you were failing in this area. It's
1: not a business approach. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the way you do it. That's exactly what you
0: said. No, no, no. David, yeah, that's how to do team. it.
3: That is how to do it. Just do that. Just absolutely. stop doing you, you it got, you got a You've got a
0: spreadsheet.
2: <laughs> you take a big red pen um, it's not that. that's not how you do it is it it's about sort of saying it's about having those conversations you know it's about saying let's not sit in front of the television tonight let's turn that shit off tell me about what your dreams are tell me about what your aspirations are tell me what you want to do next tell me how you're feeling it's about having that open line of communication arguably sleeping generalization women are a bit better at doing it than men whatever but I think they're important conversations to have, and you know, you guys will have had have a sort of set of standards or boundaries or ex- expectations that you have of each other, and even in the simplest terms of like how this podcast runs, what you all no, bring to the table. No, no. no boundaries, <laughs> no boundaries. Do you know what you said? What, uh, no expectations. What, what you said? What you
3: said? Really uh, interesting. <laughs> there. What you said? Really interesting. Because it kind of that's kind of what Libby and I have done, um, but that's because we were both approaching our like fortieth birthdays and so it's like that time where you can you sort of like appraise that you're appraising you know what what is it that we actually wanted to do you know now that we've had children um because that was like the the, the like the milestone that you know we, we went past and then you know now you know what does she want to do in terms of um uh her activities because you know we almost exactly how you're you're talking about someone that's aligned in terms of like like health and fitness goals but has different approaches to it um and I suppose that's when you when you're hitting like a milestone like 40 or something like that, then it, it becomes more obvious. But doing it before then, or differently, it's different for you, David, because you've tricked a much younger lady into 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 oh. partnering with you. So she's you're you're not inward looking in that way in that sense because you you still think you're you're that age as well. Um, so that, that's so, true. That's true. So I don't know. I don't know whether I don't know whether you know that. Um, It might it might start coming to you at some point where you know where you where you get a bit old when when she gets a bit older and then um, it gets closer to the you know the children and then all those other discussions but sometimes like having children I think because we were always aligned on that right from the start that we wanted children um, and stuff that that just that was never a discussion about it Um, but uh, yeah I suppose it I suppose it changes just because we knew that we were hitting forty and so we started having those discussions.
2: Yeah, and I think also like you sound, and I'm um, maybe the other two are going to shout me down on this one. <laughs> you sound like a kind of intelligent kind of guy. You, and, I like um, you. you yeah. I like all, you. Yeah, you might not have all of your shit together, but maybe your shit is all in the same room at least. And so I think we, what you have to really appreciate is that a lot of people don't have the foresight or the um, standard for themselves to really ask. For what they want from a relationship?
1: I think a lot and... of people don't know as well. If you're not if you're not clear what you want from a relationship, mm. you won't have a conversation with someone. And it's like um, I, ha- I know a lot of people because I'm of the age who are going through divorces like, or messy breakups at the moment. And there are kids involved and they don't actually speak to each other face to face. They do everything through messaging or email. Oh, wow. And when I say maybe you should sit down and have a conversation because that's how I'd sort out a problem in my business or how sort of, I'd sort out a problem in my relationship. They're like, no, no, no. It's because they're afraid because they don't know how mm-hmm. to communicate like that. And I think it takes a certain amount of intelligence and experience to be able to communicate.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and also, and it's it's a it's a
1: skill, and and also a lot of, a lot of people don't know all
3: you know the relationships they've been in, they don't know what a good relationship's supposed to feel like. I mean, the fact that they they you know they started running those ads on the TV um, about um, you know this is what it feels like if you're in an abusive relationship, and I always thought, well, surely they didn't do it, but I, I know people who didn't realise they were in an abusive relationship until they saw those ads on the TV saying this is not normal in a relationship. So mm-hmm. for some people, yeah. they don't know what a good relationship looks like because they've never been in one or they've they they don't know how to how how that's supposed to actually work on a day-to-day basis
2: yeah absolutely and it's it's exactly the same right because we're we're all we're not born into consciousness we're born as tiny little unconscious beings right so we we don't we're not born into language, for example. If I was born to a Chinese family, I'd be speaking Mandarin or Cantonese right now. I'm only speaking English because that's what I got taught. And everything gets taught to us as small children. Everything is modeled to us by our caregivers, by our teachers, by our siblings, by our friends, by the people that we grow up with. And in the coaching world, we call this the imprint years, the years of zero to seven, which is when quite literally you're a sponge. You, you know, up until you're about two years old, you actually don't even have a definition between self and other. And so we are constantly looking at our environment in these really young years to see how we should be and to see how we should live. This is why there is such a huge miseducation out there around food and diet. Right? Is because it's not because people are inherently born stupid. It's just because that's what you're that's what you were brought up with at home. Right? If you if you are born into a family and all you do is go to McDonald's. To eat your food or all you do is eat sugar or you are told that actually to have a coca-cola before midday for your breakfast is completely fine you are going to pass that on to your own children and and the same is true for relationships you know what you see your parents do or your caregivers do you will in part assume is normal right and now i was really lucky Um, up until my mum passed and she died last year, and up until that happened, my parents were in a lovely, gorgeous, amazing relationship. Like, they would have been married for 48 years when mum died. So I was modelled with this is what it feels like to be in a safe, loving relationship where people respect each other and talk to each other. Now, I know a lot of people who've just never seen that. They didn't grow up with that. And so, of course, then the cycle continues.
0: And you you mentioned about... um kind of checking in with each other and just seeing if you are still aligned say that you you start to feel that you are diverging slightly in in what you want in life maybe not something as clear as I want babies you don't want babies but I
3: want to start doing triathlon or
0: something something something, as bad as that well I want to dedicate 20 hours a week to running (laughs) for the sake of a buckle um what what can you do Oi, when you I like my buckle <laughs> <laughs> what, what what can you do to try and I mean is it in a case of you just try and reconverge re-con- and try and realign or do you just it's the fact you do you just then see it coming earlier that you're not I gonna think be... a
2: lot of the time people are too scared to say hey I'm unhappy in this relationship I would rather spend 20 hours running than a single fucking hour with you.
0: Um,
3: and a few, There's a t-shirt and, and there. a lot of the time,
2: time that can happen. So quite often when people suddenly develop, you know, sudden interests in things outside the marriage, which is actually really healthy, it's really healthy to have different interests and to see different people and to, you know, then come back together so that you can nurture and bring something to the relationship. Very, you know, codependent relationships are equally as dangerous, right? And so... I think that's really, really important. I think there is a a definite differentiation between I'm doing this because I don't want to be at home and I don't enjoy your company. And I'm doing this because it's something that really feeds my soul. And I can bring that back to our marital home or, you know, where whatever our relationship looks like. So I think there's that marked difference between the two. I think a lot of the time people um, tend to fall into relationships. And again, this is a sweeping generalization, but I know, a lot of women, especially because we have a biological clock that men do not have to cope with. And that is just biology. That's, in, that's all it is. People always call me sexist for that. I'm like, how is that sexist? <laughs> like, it's just biology, man. It's a, man. Fact, like, a science yes, fact. i got nothing to do with feminism, you dick. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, a lot of the time women especially will find themselves and they enter a relationship so that they can be in a relationship. Especially if there are children involved. And, um, and when that happens, actually, it's not even a case of are we checking in with each other? It's just that we were never checked in with each other in the first place. And then all of a sudden, someone else will find a passion or they will find a value and they will want to pursue that. And then that is the thing that is blamed for the, the breakdown of the relationship when potentially the relationship didn't this, this, actually get this, off to a great foundation in the first place this is back to the value thing isn't it and this is really really interesting
1: because when i when i first um i used to work quite a lot in the music industry and that, that was my my passion was music my, my highest value was music and so i started dating someone who also worked in the music industry so he understood the fact that we were, i was up late he was out late he had to go and work weekends i had to go work weekends when i started running Um, and that was then then became my priority that relationship did start to break down and I and it wasn't because I was running but I was running I found something else that was my higher value and that was it and the music thing didn't mean as much to me so he's out doing his music thing I'm at doing my running thing and and ultimately we'd sort of grown away from the values we shared so I'm now yeah. in a relationship with someone who shares that running value and that way you know if I'm running he can crew if he's running I can crew he's got a kid but that's okay because we can work out he can do this race I can do that race and that's why that is working right now. You know, if Mm -hmm. I decide to go and take on triathlon, maybe that will be different, but I'm not gonna do that. Mm -hmm. But I think it is inherent in that people will use um, certain behaviors as an excuse to end their relationship. I actually met a guy um, a couple of um, years ago who was wearing a hoodie that said, behaving irresponsibly on the back at a race. And I was like, why does your hoodie say that? And he was like, because my wife has divorced me for behaving irresponsibly, and this is me behaving irresponsibly. And because he oh. went running every weekend, she'd actually divorced him. And yeah. I just thought, she hasn't divorced him because of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> she uh, come along
1: but I'm like, Jesus Christ. Use that there's, yeah, there's oh.
2: other stuff going on there. She's oh, <laughs> not yeah. divorcing him because he went running. Yeah. Yeah. But the interesting... Yeah, and I, I think it is. It's And, and the, the hobby or the activity isn't necessarily the value. It's the, it's the value that creates creates the need or the want or the desire to do the 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 actual physical tangible thing. And a lot of it is lifestyle. You know, like I work for myself, I travel around the world, I do lots of keynote speaking, I run lots of workshops, I do ridiculous hours, but I also have a huge amount of um, time and travel freedom with the work that I do um a couple of years ago I was dating an architect he owned his own company he was an absolute workaholic but he was very restricted in that he needed to be in his offices and I could just our lifestyles as much as we adored each other as much as we had an amazing time when we were together our lifestyles just weren't congruent with each other I didn't really understand the world that he was in he certainly didn't understand the world that I was in but I have enough value in myself I know myself well enough That even though he ticked nine out of ten boxes, I knew that that one box was so weighted in terms of my lifestyle and my happiness that I had to leave. Now, if you had asked me three years ago, if I'd been in that relationship three years ago, I would have stuck with it because I wouldn't have known myself enough. And I would have given it's very easy to fall in love with the potential of another human being but it's also one of the most dangerous things that you can do so oh. i would have seen where potentially this could have been the perfect relationship and i would have held on in there for that
0: so you thought you whereas could go now and change. i know
2: myself well enough to know that yeah. actually what is what is a problem now is only going to amplify and get bigger and bigger and bigger in a year's time two years time five years time and most relationships that that break apart, that conclude, tend to, and this is again sweeping generalization, but my observation and experience is that the reason that they end up concluding was flagged probably within the first two to three months of that relationship being in existence.
3: I think this bodes well for you and Claire.
2: Yeah, because because you it bodes no, well for you not for claire <laughs> <laughs>
0: that. No, no, because yeah, you're that's true, that's you true. are
3: you are like that that is you um you are very clear um on the parameters with which you can have a relationship um you like and i'm thinking specifically about harriet from farnham on tinder um <laughs> But you were very clear about. Okay, you need to live within a certain radius of me. You need to work certain hours. I'm going to do a running. Was it good? I'd have a running club on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And if you yeah, don't, and yeah. if we cannot fit the relationship into those parameters, there isn't going to be a relationship. And so you're you're very very clear like that. And
1: so oh God, if can, Claire, if like if like Claire has person. fit into the puzzle like you that, you do then... sound like a bad person. This is bad.
2: Compromise, <laughs> no, compromise. <laughs> I think that no I think it's I think you've got to have like there are so many areas for compromise in a relationship and then there are some areas where there is no compromise and I think you've got to know what that is and that takes that is trial and error man Mm. like that is complete and that's why you're very successful at relationships right the more relationships you've had the more trial and error you've gone through the better you're going to get the the end result. Again, sweeping generalizations are always exceptions <laughs> to the rule. But that's a bit like you know, you test drive more than one car, right? You don't just go, I'll just take that car. You so get really, in and you drive.
3: I'll it say away. that to Libby. I'm still test driving yeah. cars. <laughs>
2: I spoke to a really young... relationship expert, and she told me to go and test drive some other cars. <laughs> yes. so young compromise, women, Libby, compromise.
0: Young women really should be tearing through as many men as possible, then, just to kind of that bump is, up that, that experience.
2: That
0: is interpretation
3: of what I just said. As someone I've with a daughter, I'd say no.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah pretty sure that my dad would say no to that as well so that's it so that's really interesting
3: because um a lot of the questions that we had were around um because running brings people people come to running for different reasons and it's really interesting that some people will say you know uh, for one person would say like, running is a bit of a getaway so does it make more sense to get with a non-runner and then someone else has said why does so many of us seek companionship in running then choose to run ultras a discipline that inherently means we spend most of our time alone so it's weird that like running attracts lots of people for different reasons um Yet, it almost, you have to almost, you know, having someone who understands the running mindset or the mindset of someone that goes out and runs is, is essential to, to make that relationship work. What about...
2: Yeah, and look, I think we're all, we're all creatures of connection, but a vast proportion of the human population are introverts by nature. And when I talk about being an introvert, I don't mean like, I don't want to talk to you, fuck off. I'm just going to stand in the corner of this party. You can be really confident and really enjoy other people's company, but still actually ultimately be an an introvert, which just means that you need time alone to process and to regain your energy. I'm one of the few people out there who's a complete natural um, extrovert, um, which just means that like if I'm tired or exhausted, the best thing for me to do is go out and see a friend and socialize. And I will come back more energised. Now, most people tend to be like, I'm really tired. Everyone can fuck off. I need to process this by myself. And I think, you know, that is the, what is beautiful about running is that you get to have this community. You can go to your park run. You can go to your local running group, whatever. You can train together. But also, at any given time, you can just fuck off on your own and just be also, like, I'm not going to be part of the pack right you now. You
1: know what the um, the true test, right, of a relationship, any relationship, any of them, is running an ultra with somebody that you're going out with. Okay. So (laughs) I've done, I've had my boyfriend pace me a couple of times for ultras. He's faster than me. But the thing is, he's going to sit that person is going to see every flaw in you. You swearing, you shitting in a bush in Newcastle, you putting Vaseline on your bum in the middle of the night, you not talking to them, you being an asshole to them. And they're going to learn every little bad part of you. And I think that that's amazing. If there's still, yeah. if Julius was still with me at the end of the wall, I was like, he's a keeper because he's seen it all. Yeah. He's seen me basically telling him to shut the fuck up, even though you've come all the way here to run with me. I don't want to talk to you, and yeah. and that is. Brilliant, because you've got all that bullshit out of the way. It's amazing. He Facebook yeah, liked really. it all as well. And isn't that
2: the ultimate <laughs> that's the ultimate metaphorical test, isn't it? Is that even after even through childbirth and afterwards are you still going to stick around and look after me? Like that's mm-hmm. the ultimate test, basically. Yeah. So you if know, you want
1: to be cool. vulnerable in front of someone, run an ultra with them, because then you're at your yeah. most vulnerable, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can also shortcut that and
0: just say go to Glastonbury Festival with someone. And yeah, by day five, especially on
2: the arse thing again for
0: you. Yeah, absolutely. All the similar habits. Um, yeah. yeah, they see you see your best as well in some respects. Absolutely. But, um, there was there was a, there was one
3: question I think we need to we need to talk about because it it actually relates to this. I'm going to say who this is from: Dougal Richard Shakespeare. <laughs>
1: when you've that been in a relationship, when you've been in a
3: relationship for some time, do you have any tips on tips on keeping it fresh and exciting?
1: <laughs> wow, well, you sound like Lorraine Kelly then. <laughs> or (laughs) add add a sprig of lemon (laughs) to your. (laughs) Oh, exciting! (laughs) Like
2: sexting every now and then. (laughs) Um, Spice it up. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it? I mean, it's a cringeworthy question, but probably one that many many people are asking in their heads. And it's really got to be up to you, hasn't it? I mean, it's a bit like, what do you do in any area of your life that needs spicing up? Go ahead and okay, fucking spice just, it up. And again, it's about communication. It's not about, like, babe, pass me the Vaseline because I think we should try anal, but it's about <laughs> having an <that> open, <laughs> vulnerable conversation. Wrigley really of... tricked
0: me into that. I, she told me <laughs> it, was, it was spice of life. <laughs> We were on an ultra,
2: you know. Um, but again, it's about having—it's about feeling confident in, enough in yourself to be able to have that conversation with your partner, which is this is what I need from us right now in this particular way. But again, like you know, doing something the same, the doing anything for 20 years 30 years 40 years it's going to get a bit repetitive no matter what you do and i think there needs to be certain acceptance of that in a certain way but you know also prioritizing it like most things in life you know we tend to be like oh yeah well i you know i can have that now so i I just won't make so much of an effort and it is a relationship is a fucking effort man it really is it's hard fucking work being in a relationship and you have to work at it like anything else in this life what you put in you will get out
0: now a lot of people i know i guess the modern society you've got the the choice of you can date all the time and mm-hmm. how what do you think is the best way for people to actually meet someone they're compatible with so for example you could go on tinder you could do online dating you but i've i i'm always of the opinion
2: well you could shoot yourself in the face like that's yeah. how i feel mm-hmm. about online dating i think um i think one of the best things to do is to stop dating men or women and just to start dating life and I think that is also the way that you're going to keep your relationship interesting because if you're dating life if you're doing things if you're trying new things if you're meeting new people you will always have something to bring to the table because you'll always be learning and evolving yourself and if you're checking in with your partner hopefully you'll be learning and evolving and growing at the same time and that's when you can have a really long lasting relationship right but I think when you're looking for love one of the best pieces of advice advice that I can give a on in terms of like you're manifesting and what you're you're attracting is the moment you're in the sort of scarcity of something the moment you need to have a boyfriend or you need to have a girlfriend you're putting out that kind of like energy and it's a it's a repelling energy as opposed to an attracting energy but also you end up being one of those dicks that swipes on tinder and you know really is that your love story and i'm not saying it can't be because i know one of my best friends got married to the guy that she met on tinder i'm not saying it doesn't work but what i'm saying is that you are ma- much more likely To find somebody who rocks your world, who shares your values, who shares your interests or has a different interest, but it has a shared value, if you're just going out there and doing the things that make your soul sing. And maybe you don't know what makes your soul sing. Maybe you're still trying to figure that out, and that's okay as well, because by dating life, you get to try all these things, and you're like, oh, yeah, I tried wakeboarding, and it was shit. I'm not doing that again. Or, you know, I tried collecting Smurfs, and I didn't like the piece of Smurfs. Like, whatever, man. Like, just give shit a go. Like, the, the world is this amazing playground full of amazing awesome things like give shit a go you know doesn't necessarily need to be running go try wakeboarding next week does not they and you might not necessarily meet your perfect partner there but maybe you'll meet someone who you strike up a friendship with and maybe that person will have a single friend that you will meet at a barbecue and maybe that like if you're sitting at home watching fucking x factor swiping on an app and that's how you're dating. <laughs> You
1: deserve to go out with a dick. This (laughs) perfect partner thing, this perfect partner thing, right? I spent, because I've had so many successful relationships, like thousands of them, um, (laughs) I spent, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going for perfect partner. So uh, in my head, I had this perfect partner, right? The way they looked, the way they spoke, their accent.
2: Oh, we all know who it is.
1: It's it's Scottish, six foot three, tattoos, beardy, beardy, ultra runner, hilarious, fronts of rock band. He's the lead singer of Fifty Cairo. But <laughs> now, I had that in my head, right? And I was like, that's it. I'm not going for anyone else. I'm just going for that person because I deserve that person. I've got my shit together. I'm amazing. And I definitely deserve him. Three years later, I'm still on my own, sexually frustrated and pissed off. And it wasn't until I gave somebody who had a shared value the opportunity to kind of almost creep in that I realised that I'd been blocking myself off the creepy whole time.
3: Julius. It's creepy <laughs> creepy genius, Julius. not my friend,
1: <laughs> creeping on me on Facebook Messenger in the night. But um, the, the thing I was going to ask you is, do you think that in this, in this cause, because of the way we live with the swipey swipey, we now just des- think that we deserve something that is completely unobtainable?
2: Oh, totally. And also, like, how how can you ever tell from a profile? And what you're doing is you are saying you're making massive presumptions and judgments and, expect- and putting expectations on people by the way that they look. And you and I, I mean, I have I've, I've been on Tinder. I did it once and I did it for about six weeks and it was the most hilarious and depressing six weeks of my life. And I actually went out on a date with a guy and on like on the swipey swipey. I was like, yes, tick all of it, all of it sat down in his energy. And I was like that I would rather kiss a fucking dog than you. And it's not because I can see that you are attractive. It's a good opening line. I can, I can see. Yeah. I like dogs I think I should say that to his face. And I'll have a gin and tonic next. I'd rather kiss a dog, but I'll have a gin and tonic. You can pay yeah. for dinner. You've um, come this far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like on paper, ticking all the boxes. But unless you're in somebody's energy... And that's what you want to be, that's what you want to be concentrating for. So on, that's what you want to be concentrating on. So when you're like creating your perfect partner in your head, you want to get away from what that person is going to look like and what job that person is going to do. And you want to go for, how is this person going to make me feel? What values is this person going to have? Like, what experience do I want to have with this other person? That's where your checklist is, not do you look like the lead singer from Biffy Claro. That is important, though. <laughs> I mean, also, you know, you can have on your list. Please don't be butt fuck ugly. That is allowed.
0: <laughs> is Julius um, growing his hair out now. Then, yeah, he's slowly transforming.
1: And he's not talking in a Scottish accent either. But every time, every time he basically every time he uh, he hears me talk about Simon Neil, just rolls his eyes, and I'm like, that's great. So, uh, yeah, he's a winner. He's a winner, Julius.
3: Talking about talking about Tinder is really interesting because there were a lot of questions. Um, both on the male and female side, although a slight different thing related to dating sites and Tinder. And most of the questions on the, uh, on the guy's side... Uh, this is when I say questions, I mean, like, the undertone was, how do I not sound creepy and weird on Tinder? And most of the... Most owning, of the...
2: You do that by owning being creepy and weird. <laughs> I think that the best tinder profiles that i've ever seen were the guys who were like this is weird we're on tinder and i'm gonna come across as creepy but i think you're really pretty like just fucking own it like you can't you can't be on tinder and not be creepy and weird and you then, just have to own it
3: and then and then on the female side was why do so many guys have to be creepy and weird on dating sites
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you're on the dating site too so you're creepy and weird woman <laughs> no, that's
2: yeah, a- yeah, <laughs> totally. it, it's the you're whole projecting thing- your creepiness onto somebody else
1: yeah exactly it's just yeah. uh, the whole thing is just the most one of the most bizarre things to enter society that It's okay to go i don't like you i don't like you i don't like you oh i like you pure my <laughs> on the way someone looks i it just yeah,
3: didn't yeah, exist yeah. when i was when i was like before i got with libby i just didn't exist and so i've never i've never done like speed dating i've never never done online dating i've never done like tinder and stuff like that so to, part of me thinks oh i'll be you know be interesting to try it to see what it's like um, but I but, think but part of the issue is now, right, so we can't.
0: <laughs> but part of the issue is, I think, some people are on Tinder assuming that it's a dating app, but actually, some people on Tinder assuming it's a hooking up app. And some people on Tinder assuming, I'm just drunk, I'm just messing around um, and have no intention of either of those. And so people are almost walking to a bar thinking that it's a speed dating night when it's not. It's just people laughing at you or it's just people um saying, let's just pound now. And, and so th- that's the issue. Or oh, you're isn't? their great hope for, for a you're relationship. Great, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and also... So, yeah you know because it's so easy to do i'm not going to mention any names but there is someone in the group who uses those apps quite a lot and um he ends (laughs) up forgetting their names and having to call them by the days of the week because he's like i've got five (laughs) dates this week sometimes he has seven dates in a week and i'm like how are you giving any of these people a chance like because you're just bouncing on to the next person huh it's Craig David the group. It's Craig
2: David. David.
1: But he bounces from date to date. And I'm like, oh, man, because you're always thinking about the next date when you're with the date that you're with. So that person's never really going to have your full attention. In and in I just... in you know, in Argonne? someone else. I'm telling you. Who's this
0: Lestario?
1: Weekend. I'm sorry that we can, but, um, but, uh, dating him. it's me, it's me, <laughs> um, <laughs> asking you for a friend. But the thing is, I'm just like, how, you know, how is that ever gonna go on for longer than a week? Cause you just constantly think about the next one. It's, it's mental. Yeah.
2: That's not, that's not dating. That's just using Tinder to have lots of sex with lots of random people. And if that's what you're after, like rock on. I mean, let's not forget that before Tinder, These people still existed. It's just that Tinder has given them a different platform. So, you know, before Tinder, there were always Casanovas who were rolling around the bars, picking up anything that moved and disregarding them the next morning. Those people still existed. It's just that now Tinder is a different platform for them to operate on. And and I think this is a, a, a real sort of sexism is that, you know, people tend to think sweeping generalizations again that, uh, all men on Tinder are assholes and are only after one thing. I know a fuck ton of women who are on Tinder who are mm. also only after one thing as well. So I think, like Dave said, like I think people are coming at it from with different expectations and using it in different ways, and that's where the conflict kind of ends up. If you're looking for a real serious relationship and you're looking to really enjoy the life that you're having, yeah, sure, use Tinder. If you're like popping on there once a week just to see what's going on, but ultimately, like if you're sitting at home using it and checking in on it every sort of couple of hours that is that's a problem go out and so do i thought, things so I more thought more. tinder was for
1: shagging and bumble was for relationships that's what i always thought no, so you bumble, go, for for up the bumble is it
2: <laughs> damn yeah. it that's why all my
1: dates were Wait, so it. it's successful isn't bumble,
3: <laughs> isn't bumble for like older women more sophisticated women or something
1: no it's for people that no. work
3: jody no is it sorry i don't know it's this creative I don't know jody <laughs> what what is this? So,
2: I think they're all much, much of the same. It's, how, it's the same thing. How do, you, how, do you,
3: how do you woo a lady now then? How does that happen? I mean, like. Don't use
2: the word woo, <laughs> I would
3: suggest. I'm using, <laughs> I'm using it now. ironically. I don't think I've ever used it until, until David told me about the time where he cut out bits of newspaper. <laughs> um, in order to send to a, a <laughs> to send to a lady that he liked, in order to uh, uh, try and attract her, get arrested. And I don't think that has ever been acceptable. Um, I just no. Think what,
2: what is that? What is the, what I, was the 18, I was eighteen, Emily. I was eighteen. I will forgive you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you know. I, I I think the there is no sort of sense of you either you either rock out with someone or you don't, right? And I also think, like at those beginning stages of a relationship, if it's really fucking hard work, if you have to convince someone that they should want to hang out with you, it's probably time to go and look elsewhere. And I think that kind of happens a lot sort of in the spirit of desperation a little bit as well. And again, it's this sort of old paradigm of once upon a time when we when the population of the planet was sort of half of what it is now. We were all operating in these tiny little villages. Maybe it was a slightly different story. You did chase down the most eligible bachelor or you did chase down, you know, the most eligible women in in the in the village. But like these days there's a huge amount of choice and range out there. So if you're having to convince somebody that they should want to hang out with you, maybe jog on and try somebody else. Ultimately, at the beginning stages of a relationship, you're always putting your best foot forward, right? So Mm. you're doing the exciting things, you're taking them to exciting places. And I just think, yeah, a little bit of romance, but ultimately just rock up as yourself because that's, that's the you that's going to be around in six months time. I think that whole thing shouldn't be hard as well
1: what about the whole obsessive love thing you know the thing where you meet somebody and you're like that's the one and that person's not that keen on you and you chase and you chase and you and you end up in a complete in a bit of a pickle because you're so like why isn't this mental. person giving me yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't like that because so I've had men call me mental and I'm like I'm not mental I'm not you know I'm not clinically insane um but I feel like you're not communicating properly with me basically it's when you shag somebody and they promise you the world and suddenly they banish and then they call you mental and it's like i'm only being mental because the way you i don't understand the way you're communicating with me because you're not communicating with me so is, do you think that's a sign yeah, a mental that's health about- thing?
2: I think that's about, I mean, look, you can not be mental, but still to p- display the behavior of a mental person. Oh, I certainly have, you know, I've rocked up at a guy's door in the middle of the night. Why don't you love me? <laughs> and ultimately the answer was because I didn't love myself. So I think, you know, these days I would never even think about displaying that behavior because I have certain boundaries and certain standards and you either fucking meet them or you fuck off. Doesn't matter how much I like you. Doesn't matter how great the sex was. Doesn't matter what you promised me. If you aren't, it doesn't matter what words you use. It's the actions. you always want to be looking at somebody's action words are so fucking cheap you know you can promise me the world but actually how are you rocking up are you rocking up when you say you rock up are you calling when you say you're going to call are you delivering through on your promises and if you're not i don't care what you say i value myself enough that i'm not fucking putting up with that now again five years ago very different story um but again that is just working on myself that's not going out and attracting other guys. When I hear women all the time they say, I only attract those sorts of guys. That's not true. It's just that you tolerate that behaviour in a way that <laughs> I don't. Yeah. That's the difference.
0: And also I because I I'd always be like, Well, I'm not really looking for a relationship. Let's try having sex with for- <laughs>
2: And see how that
1: goes. <laughs> Test drive that serious. car, hello. Test drive the car. Yeah. Oh. The
2: thing. Now, when I hear a guy say that, I'm like, absolutely not. I'll see you later. Thank you very much for your time. Or I'll say, yeah, okay, I'm up for a shag tonight, and then I'll never call you again. I'll put you out of my mind. But again, yeah. like, and again, it's about falling in love with the potential of someone, right? I mean, he says he doesn't want children, but he might change his mind. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, like. Take face value when you see face value. And realistically, yeah. Dave, in that, like you were being perfectly honest. You were being perfectly yeah. honest. I don't really want a relationship, but I want to have sex with you. What she heard was, if we have sex, I might get into a relationship with you. <laughs> it's what she's hearing is yeah. different than what you're saying. So, uh, on some level, there needs to be some ownership from women on that. Speaking I,
0: think, I think the issue is because I, um, like, as soon as I met Claire, first, First time I messaged her, I said um, on Facebook, because she'd left without me getting any detail. What's your running so, schedule? <laughs> two in the week. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I just said, you're awesome. I'm awesome. We should have babies. That's all I said. <laughs> and she That's said, a great line. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't have normally used that, but I just thought she's amazing. And she just said, I can't argue that logic. We went on one date and then I was basically, look, we are in a relationship now. And she was like, "Yeah, we are," and that was it because we just knew it was fine, and uh, we just felt we were exactly aligned, and it was very easy to, to sense that. But previously, I would go through all this, um, and, and at the time, I'd, I'd had a real, you know, been destroyed by a, a lady. and It's like, look, I'm really broken inside. I'm probably not looking for, you know, I'm not going to be able to offer you my heart, and blah 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 blah. And at the time, I thought I was being a really great guy because I was being o- o- open with people. But that, the reality was that then meant that whoever I talked to thought, oh, what a poor guy. He's so lovely and honest with me. And and that made them want me more and wanted to be in a relationship more. So even though I thought I was doing the right thing, I was ending up actually hurting lots and lots of people because they were never listening. And we'd always get to a stage like, well, no, I've been honest with you. I've told you we're not going to have anything long term. And, and And so I think it's so hard to actually communicate effectively with people when no one's really communicating or hearing, even if you say what you mean.
2: Yeah, totally. And again, it, that's that's part of trial and error. It's part of dating in your 20s. It's, you know, understanding yourself and your own self-worth. And I think, you know, when you're in, maybe when you're 24, 25, 26, 27, and you're having that conversation with a guy, you've got the time to think, all right, well, maybe he is going to change his mind and maybe he is worth me hanging around for. And then you do that thing and then you get your heart broken. And then when you hit 34, you're like, fuck that noise, man. I haven't got the time for this shit anymore. And so you change. And so you're, you're standing and your values and what you will tolerate changes and also in that then the message that you're hearing will change as well so you know whenever I hear a guy that says that now I'm just like okay see you later bye like (laughs) I haven't got the I've got way more other shit going on in my life to have to deal with you know your broken heart and and like you say I think there comes a point where you get to know yourself well enough that you you meet someone and you're like oh okay it's this like, yeah, I, I, there yeah, is yeah. no guessing there is no oh is he gonna call me oh god you know it 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 stops being that um and i think that is what happens when older people start sort of dating each other i'm not calling you old dave but <laughs> <a little bit. laughs>
3: they're not older oh, yeah, people it's I just one old person, person in that problem. relationship <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's exactly what it's what with Libby. when libby um when i met libby i was going out with someone else and she kind of. I didn't know she was actively pursuing me um, until oh. until I started going. Until I started going out with her, and, and I left the other person. But it was that difference of like, obviously, I thought I was having a relationship, and then I met Libby. And then when you like when you said like things just slot in place, and they're just so everything's so natural and so easy, and it feels like right. This is. This, Everything's aligning perfectly here in terms of what we want and everything, and you it just like you barely need to have a conversation about it at that at yeah. that stage, even though you do and that's and that's how it felt
2: yeah, and here's the thing though. Until you've got that, you don't have the comparison to know that right. everything that you've had before Absolutely. isn't quite right. Yeah, and so from that place, it's really easy to look back and be like, "Why did I try so long, so hard in that relationship? Or why did I try and convince that guy to love me? Why did I, you know, yeah. promise that person something I wasn't really feeling? Because actually, you don't have the contrast of it to really know.
1: Or um, even what did you I? Know, even why did I block block put the wall up so much that I never let this person do something, you know, or whoever it is? I never let my partner do those things for me. Like, I'm a mm. classic for that. Of I'm okay, I'll do it myself. You know, mm. I'm from a poor family with loads of brothers and sisters. If you want something, you do it yourself. And I've, for so long, not let anybody help me with anything. And having someone now to help me with things is so amazing. But that's normal. And I've, I've never known that that's normal before because I've always just been like pummeling away myself um so I think there is definitely that vulnerability thing that if you can just let your guard down a little bit and let someone else take over something for you and not lose your independence not lose your your powers or whatever but it just makes such a difference
2: yeah it really does and also that's really like how nice is it to be needed and not like I need you not like needy, <laughs> needy yeah, weird yeah, yeah, yeah. but like you know I mean I can change my own tire I don't fucking want to you do it for me and then you will feel awesome and great and match yeah. And I know that, and again, I get real pushback on this. Oh, you're so sexist. I'm not fucking sexist. I just understand that men are wired one way and women are, are wired a different way. And I'm talking sweeping generalizations because I have to, because I can't speak for the 7 billion people on the planet. But most of the time, a guy needs to feel needed and he feels respected and loved when he is needed. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a fact I don't think that's sexist particularly so actually if you feel good changing my tyre you go for it darling please thank exactly. you very much for changing my tyre exactly. it doesn't mean I can't do it right. I, I, I can carry it. my I, I could easily carry it. my own bag but if you want to
1: carry it for me that's absolutely fine because really? I I've got spare hands for coffee like I'm absolutely. exactly the same I'm like I'm exactly to, like that with anything, Libby. But,
3: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're already <laughs> carrying a bag you might as well carry another one
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm lucky definitely maybe. not that guy
3: you're not that guy you're not
0: that guy I'm uh,
3: definitely not guy that, like, that guy like I
0: want to change your tire for you I'm like yeah if you if you want okay, to do it yourself yeah
2: I mean that's and that's a classic like 1980s like 1980s mechanic kind of walking through like image that you've got in your head there but like whatever it is it's yeah. about having a, a trust and a vulnerability to say I don't have to do this by myself and you can help me in life in cooking in cleaning in changing the tire in whatever it might be it's Mm -hmm. about knowing that you know as a as a guy your woman trusts you enough to you know let her guard down and I think and that's a two-way street that works the other way as well but I do think it is a sort of slightly different energy coming back the other way
3: Libby now, would never let me change the tires on the car. She would. Just, she's she's the car person in our in our relationship because yeah, you know, that's it. Yeah, but, Steve, totally. but then I would never dude. I would never let her sew on a button. <laughs> Simple. You know, there we are. You've
2: all got everyone's got their thing, <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Who knew J D was a button seller? <laughs> <laughs>
1: euphemism. <laughs> euphemism <laughs> eh?
0: <laughs> now, can so I've I've got this view that polyamorous relationships is all complete horseshit, kind of produced by men in the attempt to try and sleep with other women because they can't accept that um, they're not allowed to. Can polyamorous relationships ever work, would you say?
2: Oh, look, it's not my field of expertise and it's not my jam. And
0: <laughs>
3: I, David's done a lot of online you know, research on this, a lot of online videos. A lot of- <laughs> so he's... <laughs>
2: um like it's yeah it's it's not my jam like I whatever works for you works for you and if it does work for you and it genuinely works for you who am I to to judge that it's just nothing that I, I I think from an anthropological kind of view point of view women especially are designed to want one partner so that they can feel safe and secure in raising their young. That's just biology. Again, that's not. I'm not talking about what women are actually thinking in today's society. I'm just saying on a biological level, that's what women tend to be seeking out. Where, like you know, there's that whole oh, men are meant to sow their seed, whatever. Like ultimately, our DNA hasn't evolved in the last fifty thousand years, but our, our society has, and certainly the way that we operate. Um, as human beings has changed drastically so you know it's always going to be that battle between biology and sociology but I mean for me it's not a thing, for me it's like you're either committed or you're not but you know if if it works for other people rock on
0: (laughs) I just don't think we got any other questions from the group. Um... I don't, I,
3: everything, everything basically revolved around those various things about how do I not seem like a weirdo? Why is everyone weirdos? Why, <laughs> yeah? You know, and 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 you know, how do I? Why do we? Why do, running seems to be? I, I, I don't know. Running seems to be like a um, a bit of a contradiction in terms. Like you seek out people to run with, and then, but fundamentally, you're doing it on your own. Um, and mm-hmm how you feel about it differs from from day to day mm-hmm. i'd be really interested though it's like what happens when um you you become a really i suppose this is it might be a values change what happens if you both start off running you know, um quite casually and then one of you turns into a really serious runner like, really serious. you yeah, know the thing that originally well, also, brought the other together. thing is,
1: The other thing is men are generally, biologically, not being sexist, faster than women. So I have a yeah. problem sometimes when I'm like, I know that my boyfriend is a lot faster than me, but he just wants to run with me because he just likes me. <laughs> and then I feel awful because I'm like, well, you're never going to get a PV at this pace, my, my buddy friend. Um, so... Um, I kind of feel like I want to go on my own but that's a really interesting question because if you look at Briggsie and, and Hellard obviously they are a power couple of in, of high intensity fast running but they're normal people are not like that so it's a funny it's, it's a funny thing it's also almost like the compromise within the running thing that you do together is the compromise within the relationship but then um, you know
0: even Briggsie and I if we were to go for a long run we're probably a minute and a half different or a minute per mile different but actually the good thing is your long run can be as slow as possible so we could all of us could all go for our long run with all our partners and it would still be good training so
3: Are i you I, suggesting
1: I... a running orgy it was
3: it was it was it was going to tend towards it you know that that was the
0: that was the intention at the start of the
3: call. <laughs> let's
1: all go running <laughs> <laughs>
0: so is it that so would would say that was happening then um where you had this two couple is it the case that they'd actually have to the the idea you'd sit down you'd say look we need to prioritize our times like if you want to spend more time training by yourself then we need to do more of this or like how how should you confront that really
2: again it's um it's kind of a perfect metaphor for life really isn't it is that we're all running our own race but we want to be doing it in a team of people around us we want to have a buddy right while we're doing it it's a perfect metaphor for a relationship and again it's about really clear open communication but also what's your value set behind the doing the running you know is someone in it just for experience and you know i don't care about my pb and i'm just doing it because i love the feeling of running that's how i run like i would be like if i was If my partner was a real serious runner who was like trying to smash out PBs absolutely no fucking way would we be leaving the house with our brooks on absolutely no way like where is the point because what your value the value that we're looking for yes the overarching value might be health health and fitness but like the value that you are looking for the feeling that you are looking for from the act of running totally different things so let's just realize that even though the vehicle might be running what we're getting for what we're getting out of that experience are very different things i don't care i i could not tell you how quickly i run Okay, I just couldn't. Like, I I never track it. For me, that's not what it's about. So, again, it's about, like, really understanding your own value and what it is that you want from an an experience. What feeling do you want to have from an experience? Um, And if those don't align, awesome, great, let's talk it out. Like, you just go, we we go running at the same time, you do your thing, I do my thing, and then afterwards we go and we have lunch and we have a lovely afternoon together. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't Mm. have to be joined at the hip because we're in relationships. Um, so it's just about finding out you know what is it that you are looking for from the act of running, what experience do you want to have from that because there's a million and one ways that you can train and a million and one ways that you can run, yeah, and if they don't align, that's cool, but like let's let's not pretend like, oh yeah, okay, I'll stay at your pace, babe, just so that we can run together, like that's not quality time that's yeah. just running at the same pace
0: and actually there's um, there's enough about running, training, and racing that. You could you you could just alternate the races because no one can race every weekend, and so the faster person can then run with the slower person if they like that at their race pace, and um, and then the next weekend they you know, do it separately. So there's you could certainly compromise without having to completely compromise your race training plan or your schedule or things like that if you we put could, a bit um, of work into it
1: we did one we did a race a couple of weeks ago it was because we do a lot of weekend races so there's, so there's one on saturday and one on sunday and we did there was a marathon on a saturday and then half on the sunday i don't get our bed for uh for half marathons <laughs> i'm afraid but it was great
2: because <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: we could take it really easy on saturday and and have a nice time and use it as a training run together but then on the and then on the sunday he was like i'm doing the half and i'm like well you can go and smash it then and he did and it was great and he you know came top 10 and he hasn't run a race like that for a long time, but I just was not interested. So I just sat on the aid station and gave out water to runners. So it does work itself out when you know that there is something that that person wants to achieve. And then I want to achieve something completely different. And, you know, it goes hand in hand with the fact he's never run a 100 miler and he's going to do it next year. And I'm like, well, I have run some 100 milers, so I'll teach you how to do that. It's, it's a real, like give and take and learning thing and I honestly think it's a massive metaphor for relationships generally the whole running relationship because he, you know, he's willing to learn I'm willing to let him go off and do his little fasty fast stuff while I do something else at the weekend I think there's a lot to be said for like you know using that kind of um well I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but that kind of example of how you you run with people socially in a group to how you behave within relationships
2: mm. and also like the whole point of being in a relationship is that you want the other person to be happy. You don't want them to be happy at the detriment to your own happiness, yeah. but you are going to accommodate as much as is humanly possible when you're not in compromise yourself for that person to be happy. Mm. So actually, why would you make your partner unhappy by forcing them to run the way that you want to run? That just sounds like being a bitch. It's horrible. Dragging them around. Like, yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> so I think you know own own your own shit enough to want your partner to succeed and enjoy in whatever that they are doing as long as it doesn't compromise your own happiness and your own value but ultimately if you need your partner to be training the same way that you train then maybe you want to have a little fucking look at yourself because there's (laughs) something going on up here with that kind of attitude in general (laughs) amazing
0: great well um has anyone got any other questions that they'd like to to cover any topics to bring up really uh, none of that
3: would uh, wouldn't compromise mine and Libby's relationship. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, um, Emily, if, if people want to get in touch with you to you know have one-on-one sessions to find out more, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Um, so you can head to my website, which is emilychapman Very simple, made it simple purposely. <laughs> um, or I hang out on Facebook like a crazy mofo. So um, head over to um, I've got a page that crazy thing called Life um so if you head over there i run free courses and stuff in there as well all about sort of this art of being a human because the moment that you sort of nail that relationship with yourself you're then in a position whereby you can have a really awesome resourceful relationship with someone else or something else whether that be with another person or whether that be with you know your hobby or your sport or whatever it might be so yeah over there that crazy thing called life
0: and, and Emily's live uh, broadcasts are amazing. Whether she's just got a parking ticket or <laughs> someone uh, sent her a question like "Why is this guy blah 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 blah," she'll then deconstruct it and it's really really fun. Um, yeah, so do do get on those pages if uh, if that interests you and you want to be a happy person, basically. Well, thank you for th- so much for coming on the the show. It's been it's been quite mature. I was quite You've surprised. Really grown up. It yeah, has human.
2: less toilet humour than I was expecting from you, Dave. I'll be really yeah. honest. <laughs> Absolutely
0: same, same. Low <laughs> But, um, thank you so much if um you know there's anything we do as a community or if you uh do ever decide to do a race and need some some training advice you know do let us know. There's been,
1: talk, there's been talk in the group of a blind date set up right so i think we should definitely get you for the christmas party to come and present a blind date starring the do who we will hand pick and you can be the host i think that'd be amazing oh my god
2: that would be amazing i'm in the uk at christmas Oh no way! Yeah. Genius. Let's make that happen. You. Oh, That's that so would be so in. good. You just have the silver black. Oh my god! <laughs> then then, all the and then you can and sit through. in.
1: We can have the first date at the Christmas party. We can <laughs> sit between. You. You can tell
3: them what they're doing <laughs> wrong on the day. Oh, brilliant. brilliant! David can feed the man lines, and then yeah. you can deconstruct <laughs> it as it's happening. <laughs> oh my god, that
2: would be so good! Oh my god, let's tee that up. Let's make that happen. We're oh, the whole thing. On the website, I'm
1: telling you. <laughs>
0: Well, it's going to be a la la la. la. So, uh,
1: <laughs>
2: so
0: uh, thank you so much, Emily. That's been incredible. And uh, yeah, we hope we wish you all the best in Australia and maybe see you at Christmas.
2: Yeah, I will see you at Christmas with my still a black wig on. I am there. Amazing. Bye. Bye. See you guys.
0: Oh, I love her.
1: Well, yeah. Um, she is quite the woman, isn't she? Quite the woman. Um, she that, that was very, very interesting. I think that actually there might be a few people that listen to this episode that aren't necessarily do-badders because uh, long, long-held long is the question of how do you have a relationship when you are out running every single weekend? And like I said in, in the podcast, I've met people that have been mm-hmm. divorced because of their hobbies. So um, it's really amazing. The thing I loved the most was the the thing about, you know, if you're not on the same moral level as that person, if you don't have the same shared importances in life, it's not going to work. And I think yeah. if we all took that at the beginning of relationships, then maybe we wouldn't end up with uh, with multiple, multiple failures, which aren't actually failures. Remember, they're not failures, just experiences.
0: Yeah, but I think that we're, as a society, actually going through a change in how we view relationships, but also what is seen as normal, because in reality, if you think about me as as a Londoner, if I think about my friends, we are very different in how we see the stages of our life from people who live in kind of small smaller towns or, or the countryside, because I think a lot of people, when you're my parents' age and even people my age, were getting married when they were 17 to 24 or 25, 26 whereas actually if you look at people now the vast majority of my friends have gone through a change of career at some point and that's because they've fundamentally been changed as people they've been going down this one route that they've thought they they should be should be doing and then they suddenly get to where they think they ought to be or want to be and like actually no this is this isn't at all who I am as a person or where I want to be for the rest of my life and so they fundamentally And the issue is that if you're someone who's married someone or in a relationship when you're very young, before you've had that fundamental shift in personality and career and potentially morals, then that creates a huge discourse between your ties of marriage, which is forever and who you are now. And, And so I think a lot of society at the moment and all these high divorce rates is because we're going through this transition where... as as humans i think it's now accepted it's not a career for life and that we do have second careers we then change as people i think as runners a lot of runners get into it in their late 20s 30s and yet we're we're also brought up to this romanticized idea of love that hasn't quite caught up with the reality of for one if we are going to find someone who's perfect for us given that we're going to change substantially and, and it might be that in 20 years time i'm completely different and i don't run anymore and actually you know all the values i have now are different i don't think so but it's almost the 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 roadmap for love doesn't any longer fit in with the 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 realistic roadmap for life and so i think we're going through this transition period of what love is or what it should be or how we should deal with it how we should approach it and whether you know that means getting married later or you know, marriage is is something you see differently.
1: Um, wow, that that was a long one. That was long. That was actually quite quite intelligible piece of uh, conversation there, Helard. But the other thing is, you know, and I think we mentioned this. There is choice now. There wasn't choice back in uh, the times when our parents were young. You know, you basically yeah. were like. This is what you do, and this is how you do it. Now you've got the internet; you see how other people do stuff all the time. You've got so much choice. You've got choice of women. You've got choice of dating apps. You've got choice of blokes. You've got choice of women and blokes. You've got people going and working for themselves, or swapping careers, or doing whatever. And I think that it's like it's basically opened up this like world of possibility that wasn't there back back when our parents were younger. Um, and you know, I think about my mum. She had my sister when she was yeah. sixteen. She had my sister when she was sixteen, and she they had my brother when she was like. 17 and she got I'm sure she won't well she won't listen to this but here's a story about my mum she um then had us a lot later with a different with a different partner um and when her and my dad split up um I said to her look mum you need to get out on the dating scene and she was like oh I can't do that and I'm like mum I was about 17 I was like you need to get out there and you need to meet a bloke you need to be happy and you can't just sit here with a bunch of teenage children moody teenage children and uh she was like oh I can't I can't do that I've only slept with two people and I was like what? You've got five kids and you've only ever slept with two people. She was like, well, yes, your father and your sister's father. And I'm like, why? She's like, because that's what you do. like that. And I'm like, mum, honestly, I'm going to say to you now, I've slept with more people than you and I'm 17. It's like, it's, it wasn't done then. It's like, you don't you don't go and buy the first car you see. You test drive the cars. And um, it was such a completely different time. And I can you imagine if meeting somebody at 17 and staying with them for that that huge amount of time. I just can't. I don't think it's it's natural or the right way to do it. It's it's crazy. Um, especially. I'm trying when, to
0: think who who it would be if I had to. Have, yeah, can, who who would? Have, can you think of the person when you were seventeen who you would had to stick with? Who you would have chosen then?
1: What the fam- The famous person who I would have chosen then.
0: Either the famous, the famous, or the person who actually no. in, in reality you'd have you no, i'm
1: so glad that i'm not with my boyfriend i had when i was 17 god almighty but if i if i could have married anyone when i was 17 it would have been liam gallagher and i don't think that would have worked out very well i've just got
0: a <laughs> <laughs> whereas i think i could have been quite happy with rachel from s club seven I mean, I, I, I did like her enough to, to ever find out her surname. But, you know, other than that, we were destined to be together.
1: Her surname is, is Stevens, Rachel Stevens. There you go. She went out with Jeremy I Edwards from Hollyoaks.
0: Did, did know that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, but that's very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, hopefully that's helpful to, to some people, especially I just think it's really important to take, you know, when you're in a relationship, you need to be happy in that relationship and you need to let that person um support you you need to be vulnerable but you also need to have them champion you do you know what i mean like if i think about and this is not me going all smooshy julius so watch out but if i think about julius he supports me in everything that i do even the mental stuff like i'm going to panama in the mid for three weeks he'll look after my dog you know he comes to races to pace me um, he'll drive me to races on saturday i'm running the uh, thames trot the 50 miler on my own um, he 's going to he 's driving down to Oxford to pick me up and he 's going to run up the route, meet me wherever I am, and then run me back in again he doesn 't need to do that, and yes, he is a runner, but you know he makes these sacrifices for me to do what I want to do and Then you know last weekend, I went to the Weymouth Ten and I supported him because we needed to look after oscar 's kid, and I need to look after the dog and I just think you know, having that balance and, and obviously that running is very, very important to both of us it 's not our, our, our whole lives, although it 's encroaching slightly on my moment. Um, but it's something that we both hold at sort of number two in the priorities list is running and running further and doing more endurance challenges and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes he says to me, oh, I wish I could do these adventures, but obviously he's got a kid. And I'm like, do you know what? You can do them in 10 Mm. years and then we can go and do them together. Like, um, because that's the thing that we want Mm. to do. And if you look at people when they get, when they retire you know a lot of people retire and get divorced because they're like Jesus fucking Christ I don't want to live with this person for the rest of my life but then a lot of people retire go and travel in their caravan or you know get a holiday home in Spain because those are the things that are important to them so it's I think it's really important when you when you're looking for a partner if you do have sport or something in your life which you do a lot to make sure that that person understands that and is on a level because otherwise it's just not going to work out is it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think to kind of end off the episode, do-batters. If you are looking for love and you need a little bit of help with suggestions, if everyone emails me, I'll then like shake up a, a pile of balls, pull them out, and whoever you end up with, you're probably meant to be with it's just fate we can do that at the Christmas party as well in fact Emily said she's going to come to the Christmas party didn't she she did so, say um, we were
1: going to do blind date at the Christmas party but so you need to email her tell her when it is and actually do it because it's big enough that we can put a stage in there and we can do blind date Um, And I think it would be quite interesting. What's the date of the Christmas party again? 15th of December. What we will do is we'll get a do a single do then we'll go downstairs to the pub downstairs and pick three people, men and women, and it'll be one of those three from downstairs, a random stranger that they have to go out with. It'll be amazing. We can also do it with do if they want to date other do but, you know.
0: Perfect. So if uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, it wasn't particularly about running which i think is the second episode in a road. not particularly about running we will be back with running next week i can't remember what it's about but it's going to be running uh running tastic uh, but if you've liked this episode please leave us a five-star review on itunes please subscribe please tell your friends um if you want to listen to other episodes similar there aren't any at all um but good episodes what would you recommend Ali? ones you've really enjoyed
1: What's my favourite? Oh, Ronda Marie Avery. Anything with Ronda Marie in it is absolutely amazing because I just still can't fathom how she can run and be blind. I just can't imagine it. Um, So Ronda Marie's great. Camille Heron is brilliant because it's so funny. Um, And do you know what? There's so many good ones. The guy that won Barclay, I absolutely loved that one. Uh, There's so many good ones now. We're on like episode 100 nearly or 101 or two or something.
0: Yeah, we – well – we're over 100, but we are I think we're going to call them 99.1.2 so that Jodie and I can record some kind of special that would just be us going, Yay! And then it'd be exactly the same as every other um, podcast. But that is to come. But it reminds me, when I was at school, I oh, once. God, oh, won
1: God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm scared of this story already.
0: When I was at school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I once. I once. Won, I think I was about 10. And I would have been younger. Yeah, 10 or 11. I once. On the talent competition because I'd scripted an episode of Surprise Surprise and I cross dressed up as Cilla Black and sang as the show ended um, Surprise Surprise in the style of Cilla Black or, or what I thought was Cilla Black then. So I thought actually what greater way to uh, to end the podcast? Although Nick may well edit this out because of rights reasons, although I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. In fact, I remember Silla said it was fine. Uh, 10 years ago whenever she was still around she was like if you ever come up a podcast and want to do that again do it so uh, wow uh, and <laughs> if you don't mind would you if you don't mind I'm going to take it away so uh, surprise it. surprise <laughs> the unexpected hits you between the eyes the uh, I can't remember the words the <laughs> episode that's the surprise in store surprise surprise
1: that was amazing. A bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. 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 Baby, come back. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye, 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 bye I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Yes, and give me one more try. Cause a love like this should never, ever die. That was actually amazing.
1: That really did sound like Scylla Black. It was quite frightening. I hadn't even rehearsed it
0: going into it. Just just pure muscle memory, I guess. It's (laughs) pure
1: talent. That's what it is. It's pure talent. Pure talent.